डियर लिस्नर्स साई राम वेलकम टू अवर रेडियो सीरीज आफनून सत्संग दिस इज अ डिस्कशन बिटवीन रेडियो साइज प्रेम एंड अरविंद ऑन डिफरेंट स्पिरिचुअल टॉपिक्स एवरी थर्सडे ऑन एशिया स्ट्रीम यू कैन एंजॉय दिस लाइव कॉन्वर्सेशन इट्स फ्रॉम ट्वेल्व थर्टी पी एम टू टू पी एम इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड टाइम टूडेज एपिसोड वॉज फर्स्ट फीचर्ड एज पार्ट ऑफ थर्सडे लाइव ऑन फेब्रुवरी Shri Sai Ram and this is Prem from Team Radio Sai welcoming all our listeners to this week's afternoon satsang and as always with me in the studios of Radio Sai in Prashantinilam is brother Arvind welcome Arvind Sai Ram Prem and it feels wonderful to be back for yet another segment of afternoon satsang on this beautiful day at Prashantinilam yes indeed Arvind and i think before all else as we do every week we should begin by offering our collective pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and an interesting development inside the studio is that chair which was in front of us before swami's chair which mm-hmm. used to be like swami's overseeing our afternoon satsang it's between me and arvind now <laughs> almost completing the circle and as the swami is uh, part of the satsang as he was always swami was speaking through us and now it makes us feel even more that swami is completing the circle between us and is like swami is also participating in our satsang just like me and arvind well prem uh, it will not be complete to say just that swami is part of the circle where you me and swami are there because you know <laughs> there are so many more who actually participate in this satsang and i feel that we must make a mention of a few of our listeners who have been very regular and so involved in their feedback that they have sent for us definitely i mean it's very overwhelming some of our listeners almost every week make it a point to give us a complete uh, feedback with what they think about the topic which we took and with what they thought about what we expressed mm-hmm. uh, mentioning a few of them one listener we should mention his name we mentioned his name earlier in uh, his continued support calls for mentioning his name again mr guru swami who is every week you know a very detailed analysis and analysis feedback analysis and feedback the problem is you know in our afternoon satsang we take up different topics on different weeks even the consecutive weeks we take topics which vary so much because of which we can't go back to this uh, feedback and share it with all our listeners but dear listeners we would like to tell you that all the feedback which you send all of us at radio sai with much joy we read it and we share it amongst ourselves and it really helps improving our idea about some of these topics which we take which we definitely believe that we are novices in and uh, i must make a mention prem the listener that you referred to he has also sent us some wonderful reading material Definitely. and i'm really touched and very happy at how involved he is and how much he supports this endeavor on behalf of all of us here at the studio sir we thank you and we express our gratitude to you and another person who calls for mention is mr isr murthy hmm. who has also been a regular Uh, writer not only to afternoon satsang to the other programs also he has sent his feedback uh, we'd like to thank all of them and there are some other listeners you know by virtue of being in puttaparthi they don't write emails to us but whenever they see us maybe in front of ganesha or in front of the gate or uh, they might sometimes drop into the studio and tell us there are a lot of people who come and given us feedback we're very grateful to all of them because as i was telling somebody you know we have the unique privilege of doing work for swami and seeing the effect 
mm-hmm. immediately in front of eyes you know our endeavor is to make you think more of swami and when people write back to us saying that it helped us understand a certain aspect or helped us think of swami more it's so happy and so overwhelming for all of us for me especially prem it feels as if swami is telling bangaru chala santosham yeah really i mean when we used to give a speech in front of swami it was just though we were standing in front of a audience of few thousands hmm in the end swami used to very very cutely clap his hands you know that was what we used to look forward to even if you're not the speaker even Correct. if you're part of the audience one of your brothers one of your classmates is speaking that swami used to smile and clap his hands that used to thrill us so much and when we get feedback from fellow devotees it really thrills our heart almost like swami is clapping for us well prem almost makes me feel like a villain to pull you away from such a reminiscence such a beautiful reminiscence so many times it has happened you know where uh, we have seen swami responding different way to the speakers and it is so beautiful so unique but now coming to what we thought could be the theme for this thursday satsang well prem you know there are some standard questions you know that people ask and people have been asking for centuries if i can say so and these questions have been debated discussed to no end and they have met resolution at different levels basing on each person's understanding for example the question of how much is uh, destiny how much is free will right these are all eternal questions one more such eternal question that is asked and that is often pointed out by the so called atheists to the so called theists is this if god is all loving all kind all compassionate then why is there so much suffering in the world this is a question that is asked i think we had briefly touched upon it in a previous satsang also for today's topic and theme this would probably be a good beginning point this question that if god is all loving then why is there so much suffering in the world yeah, though you call it a good uh, starting point i think it's all said in a murky place to start with because that's an answer which which i myself find very difficult to uh, come to terms with mm-hmm. but that apart you know you spoke of how this question arose in a different satsang earlier and i think it wouldn't be out of place to re-narrate that story which we narrated on that occasion you mm-hmm. know that of the barber the guy mm-hmm. going to the barber and uh, where this conversation starts with the barber and the barber happens to say that i don't believe in the existence of a being called god mm. so the man who is taking the service of the barber he says that why do you say so why mm. do you feel god does not exist and the barber says that look at all the suffering in the world look at all the pain you know the number of children who are dying in poverty and all that how can you believe that god as we pictureize him as all compassionate all loving exist you know when such suffering exists in the world so i don't believe that there is god mm. so this man doesn't say anything and uh, after his haircut he just gets up and walks away and hmm. so the barber reminds him that he has not yet paid him he says sir you not paid me for my services he says why should i pay you hmm. what did i receive from you he said i just cut your hair so he says you didn't cut my hair i don't believe there are any barbers in this world hmm. he says what do you mean how can you say that there are no barbers in the world then he points out outside the shop and he says do you see that man with long hair hmm. and do you see that other guy over there with a long beard if barbers do exist in the world how can they have long hair and in an unkept face so he says mm. that's absurd is just that they have not gone to the barber how can that mean that there are no barbers in the world so he says so that's the same point i want to say 
Hmm. It's just that the people suffering in the world may not have turned to God. That does not show that the God does not exist. Well, Prem, this story, yeah, I remember we had narrated this in the previous satsang. It's very nice and uh, it's very good as a repartee. you know as a response when somebody says there's no god because they're suffering you turn back to them and say there are no barbers because there are people with long hair and you say we can't help it if people don't turn to the barbers but you know if we go a little deeper i think even the two of us when we think the story will not satisfy us completely you know it is good as a nice wow that's a nice interesting point made maybe in a debate it's good but when we think about it deeply maybe it's good for the level of thinking of a barber <laughs> i mean no offense meant Correct. but uh, just in case somebody has observed to think that just the presence of suffering denies the presence of god i think the story is good enough but what about those people who turn to god but never see the end of suffering exactly prem that's what i wanted to ask i mean i thought it will be nice if you shed some light on what you think or what you have been inspired to think about why is there so much suffering even among those who turn to god who seek god who pray to god on a regular basis and are doing everything right by the book yeah uh, i really have no answer to justify the presence of suffering i really can't say that yes this is why suffering is there mm. but you know often when i look at suffering when i uh, you can't help seeing bad news mm. on news because we have come to a state where if it's bad news then it's news <laughs> and if there's no news it's good news yeah if it's sorrowful news then it's news I mean if it's good news then it's not news at all <laughs> correct you know what's shocking and what's disturbing that's what becomes news today exactly prem yeah. you know there was a time when it used to be said no news is good news right but today good news is no news is <laughs> no news actually <laughs> you know so that sorrowful news keeps hitting you every day you know every other day something happens and it disturbs you but when i look at that news what comes to me from within is what swami says swami says this world is a dream realize it swami says an illusion yeah mm. everything that you see is unreal everything you see is an illusion so when i put this in that context i feel these are the strongest distractions when i want to see the world as unreal something like a starving child is a distraction for me i really cannot put both you know how can you see a starving child on the road and say this is unreal and walk away hmm so that is the time when it's the strongest distraction so i feel if you want to see the world as unreal and if you want to see that this whole thing is an illusion i feel suffering on earth is the strongest distraction for you, you to stick to that belief you mean so the suffering is something like a sort of a test which you have to overcome so that you are able to stick to your path of realizing that the world right. is unreal right in a sense in a sense you could say that you know mm. when when you want to tell yourself like suppose i wake up today and say now onwards everything that i see i hear i feel i'm going to believe it's unreal mm. because let's say that's a path to realization mm. okay and then when these kind of pictures tragedies. hit you tragedies hit you i think that's when it's strongest to stick to this belief right mm. when the pain is strongest that's the strongest moment to that is a moment that's actually i feel is the weakest moment when you'll give right. up the belief weakest weakest moment the strongest for the opposing <laughs> forces you know yeah. and weakest for you you know when you say this prem i'm reminded actually of a very very touching and poignant story mm-hmm. of a student you know he does not wish to be named and so i will not name him okay but uh, this student 
had the chance mm-hmm. of spending a few years in great physical proximity to swami okay. you know i mean literally staying with swami and serving swami at the physical level okay. very few people have got that opportunity and he was one among those few but when i heard his story it was so so shocking if i can say so what happened was this boy was totally taken under swami's care mm-hmm. he had his parents he had his siblings and everything but swami decided to take care of him and so swami had told him that you if you want anything you ask me i will give it to you so whether it is food whether it is clothing whether it's lodging everything swami provided for this boy okay and on one occasion you know it was the vacation time student he had to go home swami told him you go home but don't take anything from your father don't take anything from your parents whatever you need i shall give it to you okay and swami even gave this boy money mm-hmm. when this boy went back to his native place and he was with his parents and what happened was for his return to come back to swami the ticket the train ticket was booked by his father mm-hmm. now the boy remembered the student remembered that swami has said you know don't take anything from your parents but he thought this was no big deal i mean he has not sought money he has not taken anything it says that his father booked his ticket and he has given him and it doesn't look nice for the son to go a son who is not yet earning to go and tell the father dad you know what you paid for my ticket take this money back so he just came here mm-hmm. but apparently you know swami seemed very upset over that when he came here he received a very hot or shall i say a very cold reception you know a hot reception is at least good you know when swami scolds you and it's done with it but here swami began to ignore him swami seemed very upset with him did not want to look at his face and this boy did not know what to do now see this was a very precarious situation if i can say so in a normal uh, when any one of us see we feel why is swami being so cruel why is swami being so hard hearted right i still don't have answers completely for that but in his case now he was in a precarious situation because he has come here he cannot tell his parents this fact because if the parents get worried or upset and they start sending him you know money he has to stay here he has to live here and swami has told he'll take care of him completely right and now swami is upset on him because he took some kind of help if we may call it so from his father right. now he cannot take help from his parents and at the same time now swami is not looking at his face forget talking to him and providing him what he needs mm-hmm. so he decided that you know he has to live a very frugal life and that's what he began to do but very soon within a few weeks a point came where he did not have enough to eat properly also oh okay and so he began to even economize on that he began to eat only twice a day mm-hmm. in the canteen where you know we we know that we get meals at such subsidized rates so <laughs> i think at that time it was 4 rupees or 5 rupees a meal Mm-hmm. today it's gone to 10 rupees but i mean where else on earth will you get a meal for 10 rupees but the point is he began to have this and still there was no response from swami it reached a point where he could afford only one meal a day it went on this way progressively till it came to a point where he would just eat one snack item in the whole day and just drink water and after some time even that stopped after living a day or so only on water the hunger pangs were unbearable you know mm-hmm. as we were discussing 
sorrow or suffering this is the point in time where you know you will crack you will wilt under pressure and you will just turn away you will no longer believe that life hunger thirst all these are very unreal this is maya this is illusion i am not the body it's very 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 tough to stay on that path when you are that way you suffering know the- suffering that way the pangs of hunger and this boy he would wait as the devotees would come and put their plates for wash he would take those plates and gather whatever food was left on that and eat that my such God. you know when he told this i got a, shall i say tears in my eyes goosebumps not because of thrill but because of oh my god how steadfast he has been but you know he never has told anybody this in fact one devotee happened to see him mm-hmm. and he went and said oh my god what is this let me but this boy just ran away from him he did not want to take the help from the devotee and he did this for a few days he did this for a few days it was very very tough life i can't imagine this you know and it is different when when you know you have no other choice if you want to survive you have to eat food from the dustbins okay but here it is you just have to make a call <laughs> you just have to seek and it is going to pour on you and yet you don't want because you love swami and you respect his word and you feel that you don't want to hurt him again that i feel is so awesome so wonderful and even as he narrated this incident i also felt that never again in my life i will waste food i should not take more into my plate than what i actually need it's better to take less and then refill the plate a next time rather than take and waste because there are there are people who literally do this who scavenge from the dustbins and eat food well coming back to this boy's experience yeah. he did this finally one day somebody comes to his room another boy another student who used to stay with swami and tells him that swami is calling you and in that week and low all time low that he was at he is taken straight to the interview room where swami is in the middle of a dining session okay and then he says swami barely ate anything from the plate and then his silver plate swami offered to this boy and said you eat from this and from today onwards whatever is served into my plate you know how we know how much swami used to eat he used right. to barely take a few teaspoons of the different food served into his plate when swami used to come to the hostel mm. especially in the puri used to be served you know that indian bread ah. swami used to eat the topmost layer of the puri just <laughs> that is which just is crumbs. the least on the puri and leave the rest as prasadam and the rest of it would be shared by the whole hostel right right and here swami gave this boy the privilege of consuming that whole prasadam at the end not only on that day till he was with swami after that every day he would have the privilege of having swami's prasadam from swami's plate from swami's plate from the silver plate and needless to say he never knew nor does he know the meaning of hunger again so when we look back at it he <laughs> looks back at it and he is so happy at what has happened but at that point in time you know as you said that suffering comes as a strong distraction to take you away from the path it's a test that we must overcome in order to you know progress on the path that we have chosen and even as you're narrating this I'm just reminded of another incident which happened again to a boy who used to stay in swami's room hmm. and he was staying in swami's room when this happened swami just decided to test him for whatever reason and swami uh, apparently 
became angry with him got upset with something and swami said you leave my residence now and swami literally threw him out and swami said don't come back here mm-hmm. so having nothing to do he picked up his luggage and he went back home imagine the scene arvind you know he's knocking the doors of his home his father opens the door and asks him what are you doing here mm-hmm. you know even without letting him inside he says what are you doing here so the boy says that uh, no father swami is upset with me he sent me back home so his father told him that if swami is upset with you i have no place for you in my house oh you can go away hmm and so it it appears like a very rude move from a father hmm. father says there's no place for you in my house you can go away and this boy had no choice but to come back to swami <laughs> okay and when he came back of course he was not accepted for a few days swami was still testing him and when he had no choice but to you know he couldn't go back home so he was here so after a few days swami called him back and said Hmm. So even today, that boy will look back at that, you know, apparent hard-heartedness of his father with such gratitude. Correct. Because what you would see as you know a lack of compassion or lack of love actually gave him back, you know, pushed him towards the right direction. Wow. So there you were talking about Swami apparently showing, uh, hmm. you know, hard-heartedness, but here, you know, that holding his compassion back, what his father showed, actually gave him such a great gift. and you know if you look from the father's perspective a wise perspective of the father is that am i having more love for my physical son than what god has for his child exactly yeah so he perfectly hats off to that father <laughs> who had the courage the strength and the faith to take such a step knowing that that's the right step being taken this brings me prem to another slightly different perspective about suffering and pain okay well we discussed how suffering and pain can be distractions mm. from your chosen path and therefore they are here to serve as tests which you have to overcome so that you are you are on the path in another perspective we see suffering and pain actually become pointers which take you on to the spiritual path right to prod you on to realize that there is something more to life than just the joys and suffering that we are seeing and that is what happened in the case of gautam buddha exactly right you know he was never exposed to suffering all his life he lived in the palace he had the best of people serving him he had everything at his beck and call in fact the story goes you know the mm-hmm. astrologer who sees the horoscope of uh, prince siddhartha when he is born mm-hmm. he says that this man is going to lead mankind to spirituality yes they say that he is definitely going to be a great emperor right but he is either going to be an emperor of great riches or of men's hearts right that is what is told so that's what his father says that only if he sees pain ha huh. he will become a yogi correct <laughs> so i'll make sure that he never sees pain see even the father <laughs> apparently drowned in materialism knew that pain is something that will prod on people to go towards right the goal and so i feel that pain and suffering are not distractions but pointers and that is what even swami says you know in his discourses he says nasukhat labhyate sukham which means happiness from happiness you will not get happiness wow so it is only through sorrow that you will get happiness and here happiness by happiness swami is definitely referring to the ultimate happiness i mean from which there is no return it's a kind of bliss where you are always in that state of bliss and that comes only from sorrow and sufferings and that also comes from you know the 
transient nature of happiness you know when you're happy when that happiness begins to slip away from you that's when you start thinking that oh this is not the happiness which i need to seek i need to find that happiness which will not go away from me and that slipping away happens when suffering comes you know pain comes in some form correct it invariably happens like that and, and that's what even uh, if you look at vedanta philosophy how they say that the world is unreal is how do you say the dream is unreal because it ends <laughs> Hmm. because it is not long lasting because it is not uh, everlasting not long hmm. lasting so he says the similarly the same thing ap- applies even to this world correct so uh, it inspires us to seek something permanent permanent if we want something permanent if we want happiness that is permanent we have to seek that from something which is permanent right beautiful and you know i re- i read an episode from the life of uh, shri paramahamsa yogananda mm-hmm. and uh, it is slightly different it's not exactly about suffering but it goes to show that many things that we consider you know in quotes negative about the world have been put there to prod us on you know what happens is i think this also we narrated in one of the satsangs but his master paramahamsa yogananda ji's master yukteswar giri ji he tells him that he should get himself an amulet Mm-hmm. to protect him from planetary influences okay and when yogananda hears this he says master this is bad this is rubbish actually because when you prod and you keep teaching us that we are the ultimate that we have to realize our reality then what do you mean by saying a, a planet can influence and change when forget my reality when you're with me how can anything happen like this <laughs> and then yukteswar giri explains that this is exactly the reason why planetary influences astrology all that have come into place because if they are not there now because they are there it prodded you into thinking why do i need it am i not like this am i not under the protection of my guru it it pokes you to think had they not been there nothing prods you to think and you will be just you know normal in the same manner all the sorrows all the suffering they poke you they prod you on to think what is permanent what is it that i'm seeking i'm seeking happiness yes but am i getting it i may get it for one day i may get it for one month but what after that that is what pushes us to seek something that is permanent that lasts not only for years but for a lifetime and for lifetimes in talking about uh, these things prodding you to think that this should not influence me i think similar things which swami used to do is you know when you always used to believe mm-hmm. that i have a direct connection with swami i don't need anybody else to tell swami what i need mm-hmm. invariably swami would you know uh, react in a manner in which when someone comes and tells swami about your suffering swami will react mm-hmm. almost making you feel that you know if swami already knows why is he reacting after he's told mm-hmm. by somebody else i think it's a similar situation you know when you look at it when you want to believe that swami is in direct contact with me these are all distractions or pointers which make you believe that no i should not go by this i should not believe this to be real correct in fact i remember one episode in kodaikanal mm-hmm. uh, i think it was mr sinclair okay a great uh, devotee a phenomenal speaker and in his presence you know swami apparently got very upset with the boys mm-hmm. and swami started scolding them and he said you are all useless you are ungrateful you you know the kind of uh, a severe scolding session where swami 
blasts in our hostel language that is the word that used blasts the students and nobody at such a point in time will ever even open their mouth all will sit with serious faces and downcast eyes and at that point you know mr sinclair he was just sitting there smiling and swami turns to him and tells see sinclair see how these boys are <laughs> and he replies yes swami i am seeing swami says what do you see swami i see the divine drama unfolding it's so beautiful ah what leela he says and you know at a physical level swami says oh my god <laughs> you know someone beating me at my own game that way but i feel that is a beautiful lesson for us what we can learn from this devotee you know in such circumstances it has become so 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 difficult almost impossible to realize what is swami's reality and to believe in what is the reality we just get pulled into the event it's so easy to go by the, what you see and what you hear become an involved person rather than just the witness that we are supposed to be so exactly <laughs> so all these sufferings and pain and everything are pointers that keep us focused on the spiritual path so brilliant darwin i think uh, somewhere that kind of consensus that suffering is there <laughs> we cannot deny it correct how much ever we wish to at the and, same time uh, it has it, a role to play it correct. is correct it's not all bad it's not all bad it's not all uh, meaningless too it has a definite role to play and maybe we'll discuss more on that after a short break we'll just listen to a little sweet song mm. <laughs> one of my favorites it's so beautiful because of the innocence that kind of uh, suffuses this song it's a very beautiful song which was uh, part of a primary school drama
Sarvin, coming back after that uh, beautiful song. Talking of pain, you know, mm. the other thing is our response to pain. Mm. Because invariably it is understood that when pain melts somebody's heart, that's a sign of goodness, right? Correct. You know, when you see somebody's pain and you feel the pain yourself, empathy, when you feel, uh, when you feel pained yourself seeing somebody else's suffering, mm. that's a good sign, you know. And here we are talking of seeing uh, uh, suffering as a pointer. So in that case, you know, when I'm in pain, I can see that. I can see it as a pointer. I can see it as something which has to be overcome. Hmm. But I, when, when I see somebody else in pain, it's much more difficult to do that, right? Correct, Prem. That is what, if I can say, popular culture here has taught us also. For example, there's a bhajan. Dina dukhiyon se prem karo, mera sai prasanna hoga. Right. We are always told... Serve the those who need, serve those who are in pain, relieve the pain and the suffering of those who are that way and Swami will be happy. So, for a spiritual pursuit, we feel it's good that when we experience pain, we see that as uh, ways to help us on our spiritual path. But when we see others in pain, we melt in compassion and we go to help them. But is that always true? You know, for example, we had this case where uh, you narrated the story of that boy mm-hmm. whose father turned right. him away from home. Now, at that point in time, it looked so cruel. And let's face it, how many of us can be like that father? You know, turning away our own son because he comes and says, God turned me away from his house. You need a lot of courage to do that because at at that point in time, what looks right is, he is suffering, my son is suffering, let me shower my compassion on him. Right. But when we look back at this, after the whole thing is over, in retrospect definitely, because when we are going through that, it's tough. But in retrospect, when we look back, it was the most compassionate thing that the father did. Because compassion, we wrongly mistake it as something that brings joy and happiness to the body and the mind. But as far as compassion and love and happiness is concerned in the divine way, it is all concerning the spirit and the soul, the progress of the soul. And so while worldly love will sacrifice the soul for the sake of the body and the mind, in divine love, the body and mind are sacrificed at the altar of the soul. That I feel is a difference and that I feel is a difference in the different levels of compassion and all of us are somewhere in between in the spectrum, you know. The thing is, you know, uh, when we bring Swami into the picture, mm. one incident which happened, there was a time when there were a set of few boys mm. whom Swami was not talking to. And those boys were in intense pain. They were really upset about it. And they used to cry the whole day and all that. And they happened to meet one professor who was going to have an audience with Swami. Mm. So, uh, the professor in, in, in means of consoling them just had a a few consoling words to say. So in that process, these guys said, Sir, our life is over and you know, Swami is not talking to us. We don't see joy in anything. So mm. this professor was so moved by what these boys said. He said, My God, these boys love Swami so much. Why is Swami being so cruel to them? Mm. Literally, why is Swami not, you know, uh, condescending and coming and speaking to these boys. Almost a variant of the same question. Right. Why so much suffering? Why, Why so is not God doing anything? Literally. Mm. And the thing is, we don't realize it's the same thing because Swami is physically, 
you know present in this incident mm. it's easier to question a god who is not seen correct mm. i mean it's easier to uh, kind of understand god's compassion when he's not seen when you mm. see him as a human being is all the more difficult to uh, see that expansive definition of compassion we want to see that manly compassion you know a humanly compassion humanly compassion when, correct you know human form is taken mm. so he said why is swami not responding so he said i'll speak to swami i'll tell him mm. to come and speak to you boys so this sir when very softly he took the topic with swami and said swami these boys they love you so much they're so pained at it and you know swami should speak to them and swami should forgive them swami didn't say anything and after a bit of silence swami said do you have more compassion than me <laughs> that was a question swami asked do you have more compassion than me that you have to come and tell me to have compassion for, for them hmm swami said i know exactly what i'm doing So I think that is the case you know when you see somebody suffering we kind of you know jump the gun and think that oh I have more compassion than God himself mm the fact is if we believe that God is all compassionate that we believe that God is not just compassionate but God is all justice that God would never do something which is wrong I think automatically you will have a kind of a understanding of the situation maybe you will go and help that is what we have taught to do that is what we are trained to do we will go and help but not with the understanding that you know he is forlorn he is god forsaken that idea will never come hmm you know you remind me of another episode that happened in the life of one more seeker he has written the book called living with the himalayan masters okay swami rama he narrates an incident where he is discoursing you know by the virtue of being a disciple to many masters of course he benefits he grows in his spiritual pursuit he becomes a master himself and he he is discoursing to many people and he had that ego you know that there are so many people who come to listen to me what i speak it's such a thing you know i am conferring it always feels that the person who is speaking is the one who is more wise and the people who are listening <laughs> are dumb and they are just receiving often it will be the other case you know <laughs> people who are wise are just silent they don't see the need to speak so when he is discoursing thus he sees that there's one person in the audience who seems very fidgety who seems very agitated and he's not paying any attention okay and uh, the way that he is so fidgety it even irritates the speaker because you can't bear the thought that someone is not listening to you and blatantly doing something else and at that point in time swami rama is discoursing on the intricacies of the mystery called life mm-hmm. and even as he is discoursing so suddenly that person gets up and says what is this that you are doing you know this is all rubbish this is all nonsense it doesn't make any sense so swami rama is shocked and he says that can you make yourself clear because this is something very audacious that you are doing then he says you know nothing and you speak everything and in front of him he picks up a big ant and chops it into three four pieces okay and swami rama is shocked and says that see this is what happens when you don't listen <laughs> i have been discoursing on the sanctity on the beauty the glory and the mystery of life and right here you have taken away a life that person you know he gives out a mad laughter he just puts back the pieces and the ant is back alive and he says you mere talking doesn't help and he walks away and swami rama realizes that you know for a one who has the capacity to give life just like that in a snap for such a person taking away life or cutting down something doesn't seem like a very cruel act because it's just a matter of a moment life can be given back <laughs> and i narrate this prem because 
when we came to the conclusion you know that when we see all suffering suffering is not bad it's for the good only and god is compassionate and it's for a reason that god is doing this that kind of thought sometimes induces in us another thought that could be dangerous and detrimental and that is you know when that fellow is suffering it is for his good and god is doing that so why the hell should i help him <laughs> why should i go to his rescue and i feel this story of swami rama and that person and the ant has one important message for all of us that is a person who has a capacity to give life for him killing doesn't look cruel but if you or me go and kill it's a cruel thing because i do not have the capacity to give life because i have not yet evolved to that level and so too if by our neglect we are killing people that itself is a sin we are being indirectly the cause for that sin because swami says when a sin is committed not only the person committing the sin the person who witnesses the sin the person who supports the sin the person who encourages the sin all are equal party to that sin and all will have to suffer the consequences of that sin and so when we neglect somebody who is suffering and we justify it by thinking that you know suffering he deserves it and that's why he is getting it god is all compassionate and god is doing it i feel that is where we are trading on to convenient philosophy to escape what is our obligation and duty very true and even as you were saying that uh thing of no i can give life <laughs> so i can take it reminded of a very beautiful quote by rabindranath tagore hmm. he writes it in like god is saying this he says i heal so i hurt hmm i love so i punish <laughs> you know where it says that when god gives you suffering it's out of his love it's not out of you know he wants to have a sadistic pleasure of seeing you suffer hmm and uh, coming back to this thing which you were saying uh, understanding compassion it's a story which you narrated before also ramakrishna paramahamsa used to say that every beggar who comes to you hmm. gives you the message that once upon a time a beggar came to me and i didn't give him anything and that's why i'm like this that's today that's why i'm like this you know take this message from me correct we uh, make this uh, mistake or error of shifting between uh evolutionary states if i can call so because uh, according to swami evolution does not end with uh, humans and also just reminded of uh, i'm sorry to break uh, your yeah yeah no flow. problem uh, uh. you know about dealing with beggars you know swami always used to be against the idea of giving money to beggars mm. we heard it many times from swami swami used to say give them food if they need food give them clothes if they need clothes but don't give them money but because you know in a man who doesn't have money in his hands you give him money you might induce him into bad habits correct some says give him what he needs but don't give him money so you know one of my classmates shared this with me in parthi you always have beggars coming to you and so he said how do you deal with this you know because every time a beggar comes to you are you going to turn him away or what if he is really genuine mm. so you know he told me that in this confusion he came to a decision that okay swami so i'm going to throw the ball at your court mm. he says if a beggar comes and asks me then i'm supposed to give him money okay if i'm not supposed to give you will not send him to me okay so almost like you know he said i'm going to be non judgmental i'm not going to give and say i have given because you have to uh, kind of get judgmental about you know should i give him does he deserve if i give will he do accordingly so he said if a person comes to me i'll take it that you have sent him to me and i have to give him 
Interesting, Prem. <laughs> uh, because I think each one finds his or her own solution. Exactly. See, for me, when it comes to dealing with beggars, my philosophy is like this. This I follow. Means I don't go out of my way separately to a person and tell, you know, you look poor, let me do this. <laughs> or if I say, for example, I don't know, I am saying that I don't do it. If I see a donkey walking on the road and if it has an injury on the leg, I won't go stop the donkey and put a bandage on its leg. It's the same thing if I see a person limping on the road, I won't go stop him and try to dress his wound. But if somebody comes and asks me, even I am strongly against giving money because I have seen how it gets misused at times. You know? right. Money, it can buy you anything, positive, negative. And as Swami says, a person who does the sin alone is not the sinner. There are so many associated. And I also get part of that sin. So I always believe in giving food, clothing, things that they need, the basic amenities. If needed, try to improve their place where they stay. And in this manner, I've had one or two very interesting experiences. I remember on one occasion, a beggar came to me and he said, yeah, I'm hungry, I've not had... You know, that is the standard thing they say. I'm hungry, I've not had food for many days. He was a boy of maybe 12 or 14 years of age. Okay. I told him, you have not had food, come. I told you, come with me to the hotel. I took him to a hotel and I said, I'll order something, you have that. Even as I was ordering, when I turned back, he was gone. <laughs> he was not there at all. So it was obvious that he wanted money and he just said, I'm hungry, give me money for food. So I feel by, by giving food and clothing, you can see in this manner I was saved automatically from helping in a wrong cause. At the same time, there has been another experience where a similar beggar comes to me and he asks. And at that time, I didn't find any hotel nearby. I saw a fruit seller nearby. Okay, mm. So I went to him and I said, give me three bananas. I thought three bananas is good enough to fill the stomach. And it was so spontaneous from the beggar. You know, he came and said, sir, I've been eating bananas for so many days. Can I get grapes instead? <laughs> you know, grapes were definitely costlier. If the three bananas would cost me about 8 rupees, the grapes cost me about 30 rupees. That is about 3 to 4 times more. But I was so touched, you know. I just bought him grapes. He was so full of gratitude and he started eating those grapes. I felt so happy. And now looking back, Prem, I don't think to any beggar I would have ever given 30 rupees. Right. I would never have given that, that kind of money to any beggar. But here... You know, it felt so natural and I felt it was so spontaneous. So I feel if we in our heart are genuine in we wanting to help, automatically it happens. It just happens and this is something that you have to experience. And I'm getting tempted, Prem. I know it was not in the part of the schedule, but let me tell one more episode. Here was a person who came and he said, this is another kind of story that we hear often. You know, He said, uh, I have been stuck up here in Prashantinlam. I came here for the hospital. Lost my money. <laughs> I've lost my wallet and I've lost everything. I want to go back to my place. And he said, I want to go back to Kakinada. I forget the place. Some place in Andhra Pradesh. Usually they tell at least give 10-15 rupees. I need 400 rupees for the ticket. Now again, as I said, it was my strong conviction. It is my strong conviction that I want to help people in need, but I will not pay money. Right. So I did not stop at that. I said, okay, where do you want to go there? He said, this place. Then I said, in that place, where is your house? So he told, he gave me an address also. I said, okay, so from here to there, how will you go? He said, uh, can go in auto or otherwise bus. Or worse come worse, I'll even walk. Mm. I said, okay. So then where will you get a bus from? I took him to the bus stand. I went, I inquired in the ticket counter and I asked for the earliest ticket 
they said evening i bought a non cancelable ticket so that you can't cancel the ticket and get back the money mm-hmm. book the ticket and i told him take this and the you know he had tears of joy in his eyes and seeing that itself i felt so touched mm-hmm. i don't know that's something that the heart says you know the heart said this is genuine so i just handed him another 100 rupee note once you are convinced it is genuine the whole perspective changes you wonder that he's going to make this 8 hour journey he has no money what is he going to eat when he gets down mm-hmm. why should he walk he can take a bus so i gave him another 100 rupees and i told him you know you take this oh, about 500 rupees and i walked back you know the mind has a way of suddenly bringing up another perspective slowly as i was telling this to somebody else they said you know but these things happen that person will be in cahoots with the booking agent itself okay and the booking agent and this fellow they'll cancel the ticket and make half the money all this you know when he started telling it at the end i felt i have been swindled out of this mm-hmm. 500 rupees that night prem i had a dream mm-hmm. in that dream swami is coming from the car and uh, he has some problem with the leg he is not able to stand up mm-hmm. he opens the car door looks at me and says can you come and help me mm-hmm. so i say yes swami so i come and i help him and as i'm lifting him i feel swami is god he can walk he is just doing this drama mm-hmm. he doesn't need my help he simply is doing this and telling me that he needs help he doesn't need help i'm simply helping him when he he doesn't need my help and i let his hand mm-hmm. and swami falls mm-hmm. and when he collapses i'm shocked in the dream i go to him and then swami says why did you get that out you were helping me i need your help don't let that doubt come and cause pain to you and to me also <laughs> and i woke up the next day morning now just look at this dream and significance prem you have helped somebody you have helped me in that person don't allow doubt to come and make you feel cause pain to you and cause pain to me too so i feel it's all about our intention and desire if we hold on to that strongly at that moment that magic happens prem <laughs> and automatically you will know whether it's genuine whether it's false and you just have to be true to yourself i feel that is very important in understanding these different levels of compassion being true to oneself and following the heart the two incidents since we're talking about beggars in puttapatti hmm. <laughs> you know one thing which people often ask you know i have faced this question many times by people who casually visit puttapatti hmm. said you talk of swami doing so much charity see the beggars in puttapatti you know often it's asked hmm. what has swami done for them Mm. they're all rich people who come and sit in the mandir what about the poor people who sit outside mm. that's the most casual and you know un scientific unscientific or, or even unresearched question somebody could ask because you know not many people know that there was a point in time when swami offered jobs to all the beggars who sit outside puttapalti mm. swami said you come and work inside the ashram i will give you a place to stay i will give you food okay the only condition which swami gave them was no bad habits no smoking no drinking and no begging hmm. i will give you all you need i'll give you clothes i'll give you food i'll give you a place to stay but you have to give up begging and you should give up smoking and drinking not one beggar was ready to come and work <laughs> and you know it, it was just that swami wanted to show that how compassion can be so misplaced it's a, the typical example which is given is when you see a butterfly which is coming out of the cocoon hmm. you know it is said you might feel all compassion towards the butterfly which is struggling to come out but and help you, it yeah but if you go and help it come out of the cocoon you might be disabling it for life not you maybe you will you disable will it for life because they say that the butterfly's wing strength 
comes from the struggle that it undergoes to break out of the cocoon so i think that idea of misplaced compassion and you not only misplaced compassion when god doesn't misplace compassion the way you do it you start questioning god's compassion <laughs> exactly you know in big cities in india like bombay this is a common problem you know what happens is there are big slums which are basically not legal there are constructions that encroachments and there are encroachments on people's property or on government land what the government does is it constructs buildings huge multi-story buildings with small homes the homes may be small but they're definitely much bigger than the huts that you know these right. people are staying in staying in and they allot they allot flats to these people and tell you know this we have done from as you know just like how swami mm-hmm. offered they offer these people come take up the homes and i personally know of cases where having taken up a home a flat in that building they give it out for rent to make money and come back and stay in stay the hut in the, slum. in the slum there so you know when we see suffering i feel one thing is definitely our heart melts and when our heart melts that is our stage of evolution so we go and do all that we can but at that time let us not ever think that god does not have compassion and that's why these people are suffering it is case that we don't know the complete story and just a side point as we are discussing this you know it is also very important not to become judgmental when you see a person and the moment you see a beggar every beggar is not a cheat okay and every beggar who comes to you is not genuine at the same time you know it's so important not to be judgmental and just reminded of something which one of my lecturers shared with me hmm. you know he used to stay in the, he still stays in the staff quarters and every day as he used to go back to staff quarters there used to be a beggar who was sitting outside samadhi road uh, swami's uh, parent samadhi hmm. okay there that man used to be sitting and he would just greet him every day just a, another beggar who used to be sitting there and people used to buy him tea or coffee every time you know give him a, a rupee or two or give him breakfast and uh, he was a old man and one fine day he passed away and what this says is when he was walking by he saw two sevadals and one senior member of the ashram hmm. who had come there to take his body and do the final rites oh okay he was shocked because you generally don't see sevadals coming and doing that hmm. okay there is a municipality and there are other things and you see sevadals and the senior person coming only when swami somebody yeah one either swami instructs or is a senior member in the staff a very elderly person who served swami's institutions hmm. so he was surprised to see this man, uh, see this sevadal retinue coming to do the final rites of this man here so he called this authority and asked him so why are you here he said i don't know this morning swami called me and said there's a great sadhu who is there here in the samadhi road he has passed away today go and do his final rites from the ashram side hmm. so it turned out that man who was a beggar was actually a, a mahapurusha actually hmm. a mahatma so you never know who you will encounter especially in putapati like you know dr shri kansola says he said you go to the olympics hmm. you will see the best athlete the best swimmer you know the best of every sport he said with swami it is spiritual olympics Hmm. be assured that you know the best in the spiritual world are around swami correct so i hmm. think when you come to puttaparthi you never can take anybody for granted and i feel we can extrapolate this not only for puttaparthi but for every other place exactly what matters yeah i, I think puttaparthi is just a training ground what you learn here correct has to be practiced and practiced and everywhere else 
and the most important point here is being honest to oneself that is the most important thing see we may come up with excuses we may come up with explanations but the thing called conscience that sits inside we can never cheat that <laughs> we can never cheat it and how much ever we may fool and hoodwink others ultimately as they say it's the man in the mirror that counts are we able to look into the mirror with satisfaction so coming back to our topic of discussion i feel it is definitely not right for us to conclude that the presence of suffering implies the lack of a loving god exactly and i think also what we're seeing is there's a different perspective with which we have to see suffering itself as mm. we started off by saying either distractions or pointers whatever it is it is we have to change the way we look at these sufferings correct simple example prem you know <laughs> they talk about uh, god not being loving god not being caring for once let us just put ourselves in swami's shoes he never wore shoes in okay <laughs> what a if i can say so terrible kind of life it was you know swami had no freedom he could not go out anywhere <laughs> because everywhere he is mobbed he cannot see anything he has beautiful gardens he can't take a walk there and every morning he comes for darshan every evening he comes for darshan he receives a minimum of 2 to 3000 letters and you know what are letters filled with desires requests problems financial advice seeking relationship problems health oh my god you know we have experienced it where you sit with somebody who is undergone a tough phase in life who is either broken a relationship or undergone a financial struggle when you speak to that person that person is usually low and if you are in a chirpy very happy very high positive mood you are able to rub it off to that person but you cannot help but you yourself feel a little lower than what you were actually it's a kind of averaging that takes place some of your positive energy goes to the person and some from of the negative comes to you and in the end he's feeling better and the fact that he or she is feeling better makes you also feel better and therefore you regain your positive energy right but if you had to speak to four five such people what a tough thing it would be and that is why you know i am lost in admiration at the service that is being rendered by our doctors in the general hospital and super specialty hospital forget treating the patient it's not an easy job to see suffering day in and day out in that manner exactly i mean every time i make a visit to the hospital you know for whatever reason to see somebody i really find it draining it, I, i really find it you know uh, such a difficult experience even to walk through that hospital because the doctors are not just dealing with numbers and uh, physical ailments when the doctors in the general hospital and the super specialty hospital speak to the patients they are speaking to their social condition they are speaking to their emotional problems they are speaking to their family problems because all of them contribute to the physical ailment because these are people who are coming from such low income groups it is not that they have an insurance that takes care of everything so all these and they see it day in and day out well coming back to that if that is what the doctors in the hospitals are going through imagine swami everybody even you and me if we consider ourselves as generally positive whenever we get a chance with swami we feel this is the only chance so i put forth my father's suffering i put forth this problem i put forth that problem i put forth my relationship problem <laughs> because though generally i am happy these are the only small things if solved i feel life will get better 
and in the little time that i even i get with swami i present swami with these and that is what everybody presented swami and yet swami was ever cheerful what a tremendous dynamo and if we see the last few years of his life he underwent all the physical suffering that anybody could undergo it's suffering apart you know just look at swami in those days when swami was very very tired you know you could see that swami was tired physically hmm swami could not even yawn publicly like you and i <laughs> correct no freedom hmm. no freedom whatsoever swami could not even yawn swami could not you know swami used to feel so embarrassed when he had to uh, show his signs of being tired really really constrained life and as you're saying you know the sufferings you're talking of it has happened in swami's life where swami has cured himself of sufferings of hmm. uh, ailments in a trice in 1963 right. case when, to point yeah when swami uh, had an appendicitis swami said that i won't undergo a surgery and swami came out of it and when swami had the paralysis i think that was 16 1963 that guru purnima okay, guru purnima 1963 right swami just sprinkled water, sprinkled water and healed himself of the paralysis exactly and but if you see the later years the kind of things which swami has undergone swami we have seen it with our own eyes every day we used to see hmm. swami and you know the way swami suffered i think there's a case to point here it's a very strong message which swami was giving us here that there swami wanted us to associate his divinity with his ability to cure you know when in the earlier years yeah, you mean he cured himself you know mm. in front of eyes of millions guru purnima you can see the you know the crowd which was there in front of them swami cured himself why we even have a footage where swami goes and taps on the knee of a lady exactly. who has been in a wheelchair for years and just leads her by hand and makes a walk video footage has been captured of that right so it one side swami was doing these things where swami was trying to make you understand that this divinity was beyond the powers of a regular human body mm and at the same time swami was also going through suffering and not doing anything about it correct when he had all the ability to do it mm. so almost like swami is trying to tell just like how you associated my power to cure myself with divinity no associate my ability to put up with suffering also as a divine trait i see no other explanation other than this prem for the fact because swami time and again showed how he could take on tremendous e even in the recent years i think it was 2002 during guru purnima where he took over the mumps of one primary school child right and he went about everything normally usually they say mumps is very infectious but i don't think anybody in the kulwant hall where more than tens of thousand people were then nobody contracted mumps <laughs> and swami did everything in fact 2002 guru purnima he started the dina janadarana patakam he inaugurated an exhibition in the stadium so many things swami did with the mumps <laughs> so he went about normally just to show that you know nothing it doesn't matter at all having such capacity in the final few years he just did not seem to use that at all and as you rightly said there is a message in it for all of us to realize that just as healing health getting well being comfortable is divinity suffering you know going through pain all that too is divinity and i think that is what swami wants us to learn because you know as we had a discussion earlier when swami says i am god you are also god mm. the first thing which comes to our mind is that power which god has correct the god's ability to do anything that's what we excited about and that's what actually is an inhibition for us to accept this fact mm. that we are also god but here swami is slowly trying to you know change our idea of what divinity is divinity is not the ability to insulate yourself from pain 
but insulate yourself from suffering correct in fact swami had once told professor anil kumar swami had had a hip fracture and for years he was there on on the wheelchair that way so professor anil kumar asked swami swami how is the pain you know it must be paining so much swami said yes there is tremendous pain but there is no suffering that was such a revealing statement you know pain may be inevitable but suffering is a choice exactly and swami used to say in telugu naaki em baadha ledu and swami hmm. say idi baadha kaadu idu bodha this is not pain but this is my message this is a bodha means message correct bodha means hmm. message so arvind i think we'll just take a quick break here and i want to play a beautiful song which kind of encaptures the emotion which we all feel towards swami i mean at the end of this discussion at the other end of the song we will continue our discussion and wrap up this afternoon satsang
पतित पावन पापनाशक सत्यलोकवासी साई दैव करुण चिलिकी कैवल्यमोसगे साई रूपा दैव दयकु प्रेम कुरूपुदाचिन दैवमा साई दैवमा दिक्कुले दीन जनुला ब्रोववचिन दैवमा ना दैवमा साई दैवमा ना दैवमा साई दैवमा गयकु प्रेम कुरूपुदाचिन दैवमा साई दैवमा ये सर जस्ट कमिंग बैक टू द डिस्कशन ऑफ god and compassion and misunderstanding god's compassion mm. you know as we uh, were discussing invariably you no know, compassion we see it as something which is external which is something which is expressed and which can be seen i think that is where the misunderstanding of god's compassion comes you know when mm. you make a prayer when we, when we see it is not being answered mm. when we uh, ask for something and when we apparently see god is not condescending I think mm-hmm. that's when we think that you know the God is so heartless or God does not seem to be answering my prayer. Hmm. Very correct, Prem. Because our worldly concept of what is compassion it differs, as we already discussed that. You know, there was one quote I was so lost in that quote that I okay. didn't get you. So where it says that God says yes and gives what okay. you seek. God says. no and gives you something better mm-hmm. but god says wait and gives you something that is the best somehow you know i was lost because i was thinking that this order maybe can be slightly modified it's something like god says yes and gives you what you seek okay he tells you wait and gives you something better mm-hmm. and says no to give you the best i feel this is the right order because whenever i have seen swami saying no or wait in my life i have always received something grander than what i actually expected or prayed for it's almost like the child you know who goes to the chocolate shop and sweets the shopkeeper loves children so he allows the children to take sweets freely and every other child you know dips the hand into the sweet box and takes away this is only this child who always stands and always asks the shopkeeper the child says that you know whenever anybody dips their hand into that sweet tray and takes away sweets they get 3 or 4 instead of that when i spread my cloth and ask the shopkeeper to give me his hand is big so when he gives me i always receive so many more <laughs> so much more than what anybody else has got it's the same holds good with the heavenly father too you know when you allow the lord to give in his own manner at his own time it's much grander and greater than what you can what you have expected this i am reminded of one small episode when i said this god says wait and gives you something better mm-hmm. my father had to undergo a cataract operation for that you know we had to go to bangalore general hospital for the operation and that morning as swami came to give darshan i thought uh, it would be nice for me to inform swami that 
tomorrow swami that i am uh, taking my parents we are going to bangalore because my father has to undergo cataract operation that morning as swami came close by i saw that swami had three vibhuti packets in his hand my mind did a quick flashback you know how fast the mind works within one second what i'm going to narrate over the next two minutes happened in my mind okay i was reminded of an incident where one of our uh, classmates you know uh, who used to sing in swami's physical presence he used to suffer a lot from the stones in the kidney okay kidney stones and uh, whenever he consulted the doctor the doctor advised surgery but he would come and tell swami and swami would say no need of surgery mm-hmm. and uh, every now and then you know weekly it was a monthly affair or a weekly affair where stones would come out uh, during urination and it would be a very painful thing and the day the stone comes out this boy would just sleep it the whole day because of the pain on one such occasion when a stone had come out and he was sleeping um, resting swami asked about this boy he has where is this boy because he he was a singer so the boy who went to swami said swami today you know a kidney stone has come out so he's in pain he's resting oh swami said okay fine then this boy said swami will you give vibhuti for this boy swami said you know what this boy came to me three times and not even once he asked me for vibhuti why i should give i won't give okay so while i was sitting there and when i saw these three vibhuti packets in swami's hand i was reminded of this episode and therefore i said swami will you give me a vibhuti packet instantly swami retracted and said no i won't give <laughs> i was very shocked at his drastic response if i can say so he in fact went ahead and to the next three boys who were seated there he just gave them one one vibhuti packet each mm-hmm. and then he went on to the dais after the morning darshan a few people even asked me you know what is it that you told swami because everyone saw that swami reacted strongly and when they asked me what was it that i told swami i said you know i asked swami for vibhuti mm-hmm. and the response was Oh, if it is so personal, okay, it's fine. Don't need not share it, but need not lie to us. <laughs> They didn't believe you. They're not believing me that I just asked for vibhuti. That evening, you know, that would be the last darshan because last darshan before the surgery. Yeah, we would be setting out the next day. I was just sitting, and when I didn't expect it at all, you know, Swami got off from the car. You know, he would the chair would come out of the car, and then somebody would wheel him. As the chair came out of the car. even as somebody was wheeling him towards the dais swami is bending and looking through the grill that you know the the bounding grill that was put for the stage in saikulvant hall he is looking through the railings and i wondered what he is looking at so i also bent and i saw our eyes met the moment our eyes met swami smiled and he lifted up one vibhuti packet which he had got you know it was in his hand and he said he is shaking it and like telling me that you wanted this right and he threw it to me I went on to the stage picked it up I was so thrilled it felt so special and all those who had seen what had happened in the morning you know they were also seated there they all looked they also smiled everyone enjoyed this small little thing and today when I look back at that I feel if Swami had given me that vibhuti packet when I asked it it would have been that for my father's operation I asked vibhuti packet and Swami gave me a vibhuti packet that's all would it be but today it is such a memorable incident not only for me for so many others and it became so much more beautiful i feel this is definitely a case where god didn't give you what you sought but told you to wait so that he can give you something better <laughs> it's definitely much better this way yeah that's true you know they generally say god's grace will come upon you when you don't expect <laughs> correct and it is so sweet at that time <laughs> and i used to tell that 
you know the problem with us is we never stop expecting <laughs> correct even if we stop expecting we stop expecting because of the expectation because, that now it will come yeah now since i'm not <laughs> expecting i can expect <laughs> and you know interestingly you're talking about uh, cataract surgery i'm just reminded of another incident which happened with a, a former visiting faculty of to our university oh, okay, okay. He, this person's no more this is from his book he's written on a, a very beautiful book sai satya sakha and you know uh, the interesting thing in that was he says about uh, a very beautiful incident <laughs> and he's been coming to swami for a few years it's not one of his first interactions mm. uh, he has a lot of things in his mind he gets a few friends along he wants to also oh, you're, you're referring to that abdul yeah, razak babura korbu yeah dr uh-huh. korbu he was uh-huh. a principal of a law institute okay in maharashtra mm. and uh, as the name suggests he's a muslim muslim gentleman and the way he attra- it was attracted to swami itself was a very beautiful story maybe for another occasion we can have that hmm. the thing was you know in this interaction he comes i think it's a, in the early 1990s hmm. so he wants to write this book the book which i just mentioned no satyasai uh, sakha sai the true friend sai the true friend so he wants to write this book and that is the time when he uh, has cataract in both his eyes both his eyes okay, okay so the doctor tells him that you'll have to go in for surgery one eye at a time So he says that I want to write this book but you know a cataract surgery is going to cost me 12000 rupees. Mm-hmm. So he says at that time it was difficult for him to afford that kind of money. So he said anyway I'm going to Swami so why not ask Swami to cure my eyes so that I can save 12000 yeah, rupees. Yeah I can save 12000 <laughs> rupees. So that was the idea. So he says okay let me uh, ask Swami this. Mm. So Swami calls him for an interview it's a long story how Swami calls him and all that and in the interview room Swami says yes what do you want to ask? Okay. The first thing he says is Swami I am having cataract in both my eyes will you please cure it mm. for me okay and Swami's reply is as blunt as it can be mm. Swami says no miracles for mature devotees <laughs> wow <laughs> go uh. get your surgery done you will be fine mm. literally saying that don't expect me to cure you cure yeah you. Mm. almost like you know wish, miracles are my wishing cards and wishing cards are not given to people who whom you already are acquainted with <laughs> No, literally like that. And Swami says, "No miracles for mature devotees. Go and get your surgery done." So it's a lovely interview which he has because he has some one and a half hour session where he asks questions, and many of those questions are pertaining to the topic which we've had. You know, he asks about why people are suffering, hmm. and you know, uh, just before I come to the actual incident, one question he asks is, "Swami, why why so millions of people are dying in this world?" Hmm. Okay, and how can uh, God be present if millions are dying? In hmm. one statement, what Swami says is, "That is because you have misunderstood death. Because hmm. you see death as bad, hmm. can it also comes out of your attachment to life? Hmm. What makes you think that every death is bad? You know, that's one of the answers. I just brought it in. The other thing is, you know, after the interview, and he goes back, so he says he goes back to his." hometown that is sangli in maharashtra hmm. he says uh, he goes to the best eye surgeon in that town hmm. okay and he says this guy is very well reputed for his surgical procedure as well as his fees huh? not just his fees it is he was so particular about his fees okay <laughs> he would never give up his fees money minded <laughs> no he never used to make any compromises in the professional side the in the surgical uh, side at the same time even about the fees so this guy is famous for that this doctor so uh, mr korbu goes to him and gets his surgery done mm-hmm. so after the surgery you know he goes back to the counter to make the payment and mm-hmm. the lady at the counter says that sir the doctor has told me not to take any money from you 
So he's surprised, you know, he's, he never expected that. So when he goes back to the post-operative, for a post-operative, uh, uh-huh. you know, checkup, so he asks the doctor, doctor, you didn't take any money from me. So that man says, uh, yeah, I didn't take any money. I didn't feel like taking any money from you. But I don't know why. <laughs> don't ask me why. Okay. I just don't feel like taking any money from you. And he says after a few months, he goes back for his second surgery and even that is done free of cost. Wow. So he says that when he asked Swami for a miracle, Swami said no. Hmm. But here Swami has fulfilled the reason why he sought the miracle. <laughs> to save. <laughs> Swami saved the 12,000 rupees for him. Hmm. So he says that, you know, when you ask God, God knows what you're asking that for. Literally when people come to Swami and ask for experiences, Swami can might as well give and, you And, uh, you know, extrapolating your, the statement that you made that when you ask Swami, Swami knows what you're actually asking for. Even when you don't ask Swami, He knows what you need and what you're asking for. Exactly. Great Prem. So is this that book you're referring to? This small 100 pages book. Sai, the two friend, true friend. Right. It's a beautiful book. Yes, dear listeners. It's available in our Books and Publications Trust. And it's an amazing book. You can even order it online, I guess. Fantastic. I'm going to read it definitely, Prem. After what you have given introduction and having read this blurb quickly, I'm really interested in reading this book. I think I will read, pick it up. <laughs> and just to wind up this wonderful discussion we had uh, dear listeners when we set out to this discussion we had a different topic altogether mm. and we hope that we will reach that topic but I think it's Swami's will that he wanted us to speak more about understanding God's compassion and that will definitely lead to the topic which we wanted to speak to you all today about maybe that will be pushed to the next week Arvind yeah Prem Hopefully, again, since you, that's what, you know, I was almost <laughs> going to tell what the topic we had decided, but then I thought, what if next week too, you know, right. we exactly. So we'll hope, dear listeners. But well, uh, that's our hope. So, uh, dear listeners, maybe we will stay, say the topic. You know, we had thought of discussing further on something that we had come up during our last satsang. That is, do we seek Swami or do we seek what Swami gives us? Exactly. You know, this is what we hope to take up during the next satsang. And I'm revealing it now because of one desire. That is, if any of our listeners wish to contribute and wish to add thoughts to this, do we seek Swami or do we seek what Swami gives us? Please do write to us at listener at radiosci.org. In this manner, it will also be possible for us to bring in those points and right. ensure that virtually you are present at this discussion at, at this satsang and today offering our most humble gratitude at the lotus feet of our beloved Swami who is present with us every moment of our lives we bring this satsang to a close Sai Ram you just heard an episode of our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a live discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. And today's episode was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on February 21st, 2013. You can mail us your comments and feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Sai Ram.